Good morning, everyone. I come your way again from the throne of God with the kingdom message. I hope everybody's doing very well. So we learned yesterday not to be self-righteous, but to trust and believe in God in order to be deeply rooted in Him and then also in His chosen prophets so that we can prosper and not perish like Jonathan. We also identified some of the examples of good fathers such as Abraham and Samuel and examples of bad ones such as Saul. We learned that a father can either cover or expose us to distraction. And we also learned that once we are born again, we have been adopted by God into his everlasting kingdom, that is his eternal life, where the Holy Spirit becomes our guide, our teacher and interpreter of God's laws for us. So that in the same way on earth, we must heed to his instructions of locating for us pastors after his own heart. Who will also feed us with the requisite knowledge and understanding we need in order to be part of God's body. Um, so we looked at self-righteousness in two ways. That is one, believing in God to give us um, his own pastor who will feed us the right food we need to grow. And then two, not trusting in our own selves but in God's chosen prophets or pastors over our lives so um, today we move on to the topic of adultery and we will not be self-righteous about it we will follow the Holy Spirit's navigation because at the end of the day we realize that um, it is God who who we will all account to and not those who are interpreting it their own way moreover they too will be equally judged so i mean where is their authority okay so um i'd want us to start from genesis chapter 15 um verse 1 to 9 where abraham offered a sacrifice to god and when he did that in verse 9, it says that um, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offsprings will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So, um, I used to wonder, I mean like, Someone has come to you and the person is not sure that you are going to bless them. He says the Lord, how am I sure that what you said to me will really come to pass? How will I really inherit this land that you are going to give to me? And then God asks him to offer a sacrifice. And when he does this, this is what you tell him. You tell him that his, his descendants are going to be slaves and they are going to be afflicted for 400 years. So when I used to warn them, like, oh, why, why does God, why, why would God do, say that to somebody who needs reassurance from him? I used to think about it a lot. And then one day I was reading the book of Ezekiel chapter 23. And when I got there, I began to understand what God was talking about. 
So in Ezekiel chapter 23, we read that God said something here. From verse 1, it says, This message came to me from the Lord, son of man. Once there were two sisters who were daughters of the same mother. They became prostitutes in Egypt. Even as young girls, they allowed themselves to be fondled and caressed. The older girl was named Ohola, and her sister was Oholiba. I married them, and they bore me sons and daughters. I am speaking of Samaria and Jerusalem. For Ohola is Samaria, and Oholiba is Jerusalem. Verse 5 says, Then Ohola lasted after, after other lovers instead of me, and she gave her love to the Assyrians, her neighbors. They were all attractive young men, captains and commanders dressed in handsome blue, dashing about on their horses. I want us to I want us to stop here. You want to stop here. And then I'll stop you. But then please if you have time, kindly continue to read and then you will understand what this actually means. So um God is saying that Ohola was the name of the other one and Oholiba the second one. They were both his. So God says, I married them. So that is how the relationship between us and God is for every individual. It is a marriage. He acquired us not with dowries or rings or with any other thing that our parents would ask for in the physical marriage. But he acquired us with his imperishable blood that is the blood of jesus christ so when you read um the book of deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 21 it says that if a if, if a young man comes to accuse um his, his newly found bride that she's not a virgin as she was supposed to be when he got married to her he can return her to the father and when he does that what they'll do to the woman is that They'll bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house. And the men of her city will stone her to death with stones. Because she has done an outrageous thing in Israel by whoring in her father's house. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. So you realize that even with the story of Oholiba and Ohola, God didn't say that they had committed fornication. He said they had committed whoredom. They had prostituted themselves. And in the same way too, this lady too is being said that she has done an outrageous thing by whoring in her father's house. So, um, according to God, um, whether she did it once with somebody or on several occasions, it's whoredom. And whether it was with one person or more, it is still whoredom. So, with Ohola and Oholiba, even though they were citizens in the country and they were different, different pouring after i mean going after different men to god it was still whoredom okay um a christian is firstly married to god in isaiah 54 verse 5 to 6 so um let me read for thy maker is thy husband the lord of hosts is his name and thy redeemer the holy one of israel the god of the whole earth shall he be called so until god actually empowers another man to leave his father and mother to cleave to the woman for them to be one one is still bound only to the maker being in a bond with the first husband or maker stops any other act of indulging in other clandestine affair 
as this is purely illegal and will incur penalties. You are married to God, so if you find yourself having an affair with any other person, it, it becomes adulterous to God. Unless he has given you the permission to marry somebody else in his presence. Okay, now when the first husband's consent is eventually sought for in the case of the second marriage, that is the physical marriage, blessings are released into this marriage for the process of oneness to take place. Now, the second marriage, the physical marriage, has a lot of um, objectives to fulfill here on earth. Maybe one day we'll talk about it. Um, when okay, so marriage is between two people, when God empowers another man to leave his parents' home to cleave onto a woman, the marriage between him and God is not broken. This is what happens. When the man cleaves to his wife and they become... They become one again. Remember that the, 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 the pastor declares or the priest declares that now the two shall become one. Okay. Now, these two people who are one, before God, nothing has changed. So God is still married to a couple, one person. And they still stay in their marriage to God. Nothing is destroyed. So whether you are single or you are married, the child of God is still married to God. Okay, so you've established now that adultery and whoredom are the same in his eyes. He says that before someone is married, they are married to him first. So sex between the unmarried is adultery against him and none other. Now, if anyone who commits adultery is also a whore to God, then it can be summed up to mean that all types of sexual immorality can be classified under adultery or whoredom against God. There's something else that I want us to talk about. So I'm making reference to a book titled Princess. Um, the author is um, Irene Sawasapon. So if I have copies of them, if you would want a copy, you can contact me, PM me. I'll just send you a copy. It's, it's, it talks about adultery and idolatry. So I'm making reference to the book right now. So, um, the last thing I want us to note is that sexual immorality, as we now term it, is quite broad. It is a term replacing God's adultery. As far as the God of Hebrews is concerned, there is no single or separate definition of fornication, adultery, sexting, prostitution, oral sex, masturbation, lesbianism, pornography, etc. These are all under one canopy. God does not differentiate. So if you find yourself sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend, to God, there is no difference between you and your classmate who is picked up by her sugar daddy every weekend. Neither is there any difference between both of you and that half-naked woman whistling at men who happen to pass who, to drive past her on the dark popular street in town. There is no difference also between the group of people just mentioned and the one sending new images to her boyfriend and the one who watches pornography so um i'd want us to end here for today god willing tomorrow will continue on this topic of adultery so you realize that man has set standards but god's standards are higher and even though they are higher they are the ultimate because at the end of the day it is god who we all men will make account to he's the judge of the whole world so let's not follow the precepts of other people who are also going to be judged like us equally 
let us not be self-righteous let us just follow god's definition of adultery so if you find yourself doing any of the above um you are an adulterer and to the governance mode we are going to discuss why the one sending nude images to your boyfriend is also a whore according to the king of all kings we will end here for today i pray that god will help us to keep his word and that he will go before us and that we will be a light to the world in jesus name